Democrats face off on health care. This is Industry Focus. Welcome to Industry Focus Healthcare Edition. This is your host, Christine Hargis. I am back from vacation. Hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode with my fellow healthcare analyst, Michael Douglas, stepping in and Todd Campbell holding down the fort as usual. Todd's back on the show again today via Skype. Hi, Todd. Hi, how are you today? Glad to have you back. Well, thanks. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing great. Awesome. So today's episode, we'll be dipping our toes into some political waters. I know many of you probably watched the Democratic presidential debate last night. So on the heels of that, we wanted to talk a bit about two major candidates' opinions on healthcare and what their plans could mean for investors. So let me say upfront, Todd and I are only human. We have our personal human opinions. But for the purposes of this show, we'd like to keep it very neutral, nonpartisan, and give an objective look at some of these proposed policies and maybe some of their potential effects, too. So if any political leanings do come through, they're mine and or Todd's and in no way reflective of The Motley Fool, which is not a political organization. So with that out of the way, Todd, who should we start with? Um, Well, let's look at two candidates, uh, the two leading candidates from the Democrat side of the fence, if you will. Let's look at Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. And let's talk a little bit about how the two of them would change health care, what changes they would make to health care. And then, you know, like you said, I mean, we are an investing program. So, you know, ultimately, we want to try and show how those changes could affect the stocks within the healthcare sector. I mean, obviously, you know, in the past month or two, uh, healthcare stocks have been falling pretty dramatically as some of the some more insight has come out into in changes that could be made to healthcare. So, let's just dive right in. We'll start off with, you know, what Hillary is thinking that she would like to do if she were elected. Sounds good. All right, great. The I think the the biggest difference between Hillary and Bernie, both of them believe that healthcare is a basic right. And I think it's important to understand that from an investing standpoint, because if they're both coming into it with that leaning, then it likely would mean more people would be insured under them uh, in the future than, than are today. And of course, that would you know affect supply and demand and costs, et cetera. Uh, and ultimately the profitability of these companies. In the case of Hillary, she appears to want to take the current Obamacare system and massage the edges, if you will. So her goal isn't to toss aside Obamacare and replace it with, you know, Hillary Care. Her goal is seems to be to, okay, Obamacare is working. Let's see if we can make it better so that more people can get coverage and and let's see if we can then now focus the bulk of our attention not on um continuing to you know getting getting to zero percent on insurance but to try and rein in some of the uh the costs that are associated in driving um healthcare spending higher yeah and she does have quite a few targets for how she would propose doing this yeah i mean without a doubt my opinion, looking through the candidates and and, their, and what they're proposing, she seems to uh, be focusing most of her attention on the drug spending side of things. So she has a couple policies that she has said that would deal, 
deal with insurance. For example, she wants to cap the amount of money that you would spend on drugs out of pocket to $250 per month or $3,000 per year. Okay, so that would affect the insurance on the deductible side of thing. And the reason that would be important for insurers is because one of the reasons that they're able to maintain their you know, profit margins at the levels that they want is because they've been increasing deductibles over the last few years to shift more of those costs to, you know, consumers, okay, to patients, uh, rather than them having to be on the hook for all of that increase. Okay, so, so that would affect insurers. She also, though, is focusing a tremendous amount of attention on, okay, reining in uh, how much we pay for individual drugs. And, you know, there's a few ways that she wants to accomplish that. Okay, she wants to, first and foremost, give Medicare the opportunity to negotiate directly with drug makers on pricing. That's something that doesn't exist today. Um, the Medicare Modernization Act of 2003 prohibits Medicare from negotiating with drug makers. Uh, so obviously, um, she wants to remove that and take the reins, if you will, off of Medicare and allow them to be out there saying to you know various drug makers, hey, we want a special deal because we have tens of millions of patients uh, in buying power. So we should be paying a lower price. Okay? Yeah, That's I mean, probably the most significant way that she hopes to try and reduce drug prices. But she's also gone on record as saying, listen, I want to allow importation out of Canada. Um, I want to make some changes to the tax code in those type of things. Yeah, I mean, I find it absolutely baffling that Medicare doesn't have that power right now. And I think that's something that not a lot of people are aware of. So as it stands right now, private insurers can negotiate, but their voice just isn't as loud as that of Medicare could be. I mean, Medicare covers 49 million seniors. That's larger than any individual private insurer. But the other side of that coin that people have to understand is that Medicare doesn't quite have the same potential voice as some of these private insurers because people would be absolutely outraged if Medicare walked away from a negotiation, if they took that hard stance. And you see that in some European countries where a government uh, healthcare plan will say, you know what, no, we're not going to cover this drug because you're asking too much. But people in the United States are not used to that. And I don't think that they would stand for it. I mean, it remains to be seen. This is just speculation. But I'm not sure if Medicare would actually have more power in a negotiation, as Hillary would propose. I mean, it remains to be seen. I agree with that. If you look at the United Kingdom, they're, they're infamous, famous, I, I don't know, up the two of different countries of being able to um, say, listen, you know what, we've got this metric, Q-A-L-Y, um, that we're used to say, okay, what's the benefit of a drug? And then calculate out the cost of that drug for that benefit. And if you don't make the number, they don't reimburse for it. Now, I don't, I agree with you. You know, in our country, we do not want rationalized healthcare. So there, is, there would be a lot of pushback if, say, Medicare said, listen, we are not going to pay for this cancer drug because we don't think it's effective enough. Well, you can't say that it wouldn't be effective in any one given patient, one specific patient. So, yeah, their negotiating power will be somewhat limited, but it's the same situation with private insurers to a degree. I mean, no one wants to be the, the, the you know, evil dictator who's sitting on top of the mountain saying, no, you can't have that drug. It's just not it's not good PR. 
Exactly. Yeah. And another part of her plan that I want to go back and touch on is uh, Hillary would like to require a certain percentage of revenue of drug makers go directly back into research and development spending. And this is a really interesting proposition here. My suspicion is that whatever number she would end up coming out with would probably be less than what most companies already spend. And it would be more so to get rid of a business model of just buying up old, outdated drugs and jacking up the price without actually having developed them yourself. But it could get really interesting, depending on where that number is is placed. I think that you're right that it's probably going to be below what most companies are already spending. So most investors shouldn't worry too much about that. Where you would run into a problem is, like you said, kind of those those companies that have made a habit of going out and buying pre-existing medications only to jack up the price and then not you know, putting any of that money back into developing their own drugs or R&D. So there is one business model that would take a big hit in that regard. Um, those those companies who are you know built their businesses around doing that would suffer more than, say, I don't know, a research-heavy uh, company like a, a Gilead Sciences or something like that. I think one of the other things that's interesting about what Hillary is saying is she would increase the funding to the FDA to expedite uh, approval times on generic drugs. Um, and that's another way that she would hope to try and rein in spending because if you can get generic drugs onto the market more quickly, uh, rather than having you know backlogs build up at the FDA, applications that have been filed, they're just not being processed. Um, then, you know, theoretically, you could save a lot of money that way as well. Exactly. And there are so many other parts to what Hillary has laid out. Um, but those are the basics. Let's move on to Bernie Sanders and take a look at what he has to say about how he would go about changing the United States healthcare system. In my opinion, the, the sharpest contrast between what Hillary would do with healthcare and what Bernie would do with healthcare is that while they both believe that healthcare is a right, Bernie seems um, to favor a Medicare for all solution. It's not clear whether or not he would disband Obamacare or how he would make this happen. And he has said that it, and he recognizes that it couldn't happen overnight. But it would seem to me that he wants to take the already proven system of Medicare that has, as you mentioned, 49 million people uh, being served already and basically open that up to everyone so that, you know, Medicare will handle all of the insurance um, and as a result, create a lot of quote unquote efficiency. We don't know if that would actually come about by eliminating all of the, you know, say marketing, oh, United Health Plan, Health Healthcare's plan is better than Anthem's plan is better than Humana's plan is better than Cigna's plan and all of that. You know, you basically have one plan for everyone and it's Medicare. Obviously, that would significantly increase um, the number of people who are being covered by insurance, but it would certainly be very disruptive uh, and create a lot of uncertainty within the private insurance market. That, in my opinion, is the, the, the biggest difference between the two candidates. Um, you know, Bernie has also said, yes, let's go ahead and allow the importation of drugs out of Canada. That's, you know, obviously similar. Um, he's also gone on record and said, let's let's allow for the negotiation for Medicare to be able to negotiate pricing. So that's similar as well. Um, and he has one other difference, I guess, with Hillary in as far as that he has said that he wants to um, focus on price increases at generic drug makers and make sure that if generic drug makers are increasing their prices, they're, they're providing more rebates back to 
um, government payers like Medicaid. So that's something that Hillary hasn't taken up that Bernie has as well. Yeah. And what's really interesting about this whole Medicare for all concept is that it wouldn't quite be that governments own and operate your hospitals and your providers, which is what you have in the United Kingdom, but rather Medicare would be expanded so that everybody was on a national health care plan, but still with private delivery and just public financing. And meanwhile, you would still have your private insurance companies, kind of like you still have them for supplemental Medicare insurance. And they would exist exactly for that reason, is supplemental insurance. And so we're not going to see private insurers go away entirely, but their role could definitely be greatly reduced. Right. And we don't know how this would affect provider networks either. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of doctors, you know, accept Medicare. It's a big part of their business. So it's not like this is disruptive on that side. However, how much Medicare is paying for doctor services may differ from how much, say, a private insurance company like United Healthcare is paying for doctor services. So we don't know exactly how that would break out as far as um, hospitals, urgent care centers, outpatient surgeries, because um, again, Medicare does have some, you know, pricing power might in regard to those that it doesn't have as far as drug pricing. Right. Um, so when we're thinking about winners and losers here, to me, it seems like hospitals would definitely stand to benefit from more people being covered. Would you agree with that? I think that in both cases, um, hospitals are winners um, because you're not. So far, neither neither of these candidates has, has called them out on their pricing or the cost of, of care, if you will. They haven't addressed those things. They focus more on um, insurance and drug makers. Um, and it, if you get more people in receiving insurance, as we've seen over the course of the last five years uh, after the enactment of Obamacare, more people with more coverage means more care being provided, which means more revenue that is flowing to hospitals. And at the same time, less money that has to be written off in bad debt expense from you know, those people who are uninsured showing up in, in emergency rooms. Right. And theoretically, that increased hospital spending could also maybe increase the use of medical devices. So we could see some medical device makers potentially also picking up additional revenue. Yeah. And I would also argue that pharmacies um, would benefit from increased utilization, too, because, again, you know, where, where both of these candidates are focusing on reining in drug prices, they're not really targeting you know, they're not really targeting the margin of the retailer that's sitting in between. So that would mean that a company like CVS Health, for example, that operates both a pharmacy and a pharmacy benefit manager uh, that runs pharmacy programs for, you know, health insurers and self, uh, self-insured employers uh, could benefit as well from, from both of these candidates' plans. Yeah, exactly. And the devil is in the details. I mean, how much will drug volume actually be boosted? And, you know, could generics get to market faster and actually hurt some of the the branded side of things? I mean, there are so many questions that are still left. And, of course, these plans are being proposed at a national level, so they're kind of necessarily a little bit vague. So it still is very unclear on many fronts who the winners and losers will be. But it is interesting to speculate about. Um, So I want to end the show by touching on an issue that always seems to be a popular one among listeners, which is medical and recreational marijuana usage. So both candidates have also voiced their opinions on this healthcare subject. Um, And before we talk about what exactly they have to say about it, I just want to get some more legal disclaimers out of the way and remind you that, as always, people on our program could have interests in some of these stocks that we talk about. The Motley Fool could have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear Todd and I saying. 
If you are interested in doing some more research on some of the names that you've heard today, we've got a great deal running right now for listeners of Industry Focus on the Motley Fool's flagship stock picking newsletter, which is called Stock Advisor. To check it out, visit focus.fool.com. Again, that's focus.fool.com. And know that Stock Advisor comes highly recommended from both Todd and myself. So, as promised, the last issue that we wanted to discuss today was marijuana. Todd, can you share with us where some of these candidates stand on that issue? This was a really interesting uh, recent debate um, between the Democratic candidates. And the reason I say that it was interesting is because, obviously, in the last few years, there's been a groundswell of support for the legal- legalization of both medical and recreational marijuana. Okay, you've got roughly two dozen states now that you can, you know, purchase medical marijuana, have medical or use medical marijuana. And you've got four states now that have passed some form of legislation on um, being able to legally have recreational marijuana. Okay, so more and more states over the over the years are uh, are taking up this issue and voting on it in 2016, a presidential year. Uh, there's going to be a lot more ballots that are going to be out there. So when the question came up in the most recent debate, Democratic debate, uh, it was asked specifically of uh, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. And the question was, there's, uh, would you sign off on uh, legalized marijuana if you were in Nevada? Would you vote for it? Because that's going to be one of the uh, states that's going to be taking this issue up next year. Bernie Sanders was uh, ha- basically said yes. You know, uh, he he would he would support it. That's the first time that I know of that. You know, one of these presidential can- candidates on either side of the aisle has gone out and said that yes, they would vote for a recreational uh, marijuana um, uh, bill if it if it was put forth. Uh, Hillary took the other side of that argument though and said, you know what, this is a state by state issue. I think that we need to watch and evaluate how it's playing out in the states that have passed recreational marijuana before we look at expanding that into more and more states. Um, but she was clear to make, sh- make sure people are aware of that she's a big supporter of medical marijuana. So I think exiting, um, you know, the information that we have right now, exiting the debate would be that, you know, Bernie Sanders is more in favor of embracing recreational use of marijuana legislation in order to decriminalize it and reduce the number of people who are being sent to jail because of it, um, where Hillary is more, let's take a wait and see approach on the recreational side, but let's go ahead and embrace medical. You know, it's so interesting to me that this has become a central issue of the debate. I mean, I remember when Obama was essentially pleading with people, stop getting your heads all wrapped around marijuana. This is not the most important issue right now. But it's pretty clearly going to be a big issue for the 2016 elections. People are going to have to watch this closely. It's a fascinating subject. Um, there's, There's very limited investing takeaway currently. Uh, most of the marijuana players are, are micro-cap stocks that trade over-the-counter. Uh, two things that, you know, we here at The Fool avoid <laughs> trafficking in. Um, there are a couple drug makers who are out there researching um, using marijuana cannabinoids uh, to come up with cures. Um, but that work is still, you know, in, in the clinical stages for the most part. 
Yeah, between that and all the uncertainty surrounding the industry in general, I know personally it's not something that I'm going to put my investing dollars behind. But, I mean, clearly this is a big issue, and all the other issues that we've talked about on the show today between drug prices and insurance reform will definitely continue to be hot-button issues, and we'll be sure to keep you updated on any key developments. Todd, it's been a pleasure as always, and folks, thanks for listening. 